This is Consequence, true stories about false things, presented by the James Randi Educational Foundation. I'm Brian Thompson. Today we're talking about therapeutic touch, which it may or may not surprise you to learn isn't necessarily therapeutic and doesn't actually involve touching. But for a better explanation, I talked to Robert Glickman. For years, Glickman has worked as a nurse, and he's seen therapeutic touch creep into his profession. Now, as a member of the Philadelphia Association for Critical Thinking, he's skeptical that therapeutic touch has any value at all. So I started by asking him to explain just what this therapy really is. Therapeutic touch is a notion that was created by a nurse and her friend who was a theosophist and a, and a healer of some sort, and they came together with therapeutic touch, which is the understanding or belief that there's an energy field that radiates from the human body about four to eight inches, and by manipulating it, they're able to uh, smooth it out and then induce healing th- through the manipulation of this energy field. And they jumped right ahead to figure out what can we, you know, do with this? Like, who can we heal? How can we heal them? You know, and will it work on burns? And will it work on headaches? And will it work on everything in the world? But not the nuts and bolts of, like, am I actually feeling anything? Or am I just uh, kidding myself? Hmm. And that's basically what I found so far. But I'm still willing to give uh, the therapeutic touch world a, a chance to prove otherwise. Sure. So if somebody is a therapeutic touch practitioner, do they have to have some sort of special power? I mean, like, maybe this is just me, but when I'm walking around looking at people, I don't see necessarily any sort of energy field around them. Well, some of them claim to see auras, and they f- they say it's the same entity. Okay. The, the nurses are able to feel what other psychics call an aura that they see. So we're dealing with a, allegedly a similar phenomenon here. And what got me interested in the topic in the first place was recalling back to a uh, program that Randy had back in the 80s, whose name escapes me right this second, but it was uh, testing therapeutic or uh, testing psychic powers live or something like that, uh, or something similar to that. And uh, one of the people there could see auras, and what they did was she picked 10 people that she could see auras around, and then they had a special wall, and uh, each with a numbered slot, and then on the other side, each slot would be filled based on a coin flip. And I think there were four people there, and she saw auras poking out over the tops of t- uh, of all 10 slots. Mm-hmm. So... so Allegedly, what was supposed to happen was the aura would poke over the top of the wall, and she would have, should have, if correct, would have no problem seeing it. And I basically used that same idea for a therapeutic touch test. Now, the first person we contacted, it was uh, when I was working at uh, Frankfurt Hospital in Philadelphia. We had somebody who did therapeutic touch, and she came out to our. Uh, a uh, short procedure unit where we had things set up, and she gave us her whole spiel. There was about 10 or 12 nurses there and a few other uh, friends from FAC just to you know, be able to hear uh, what her spiel was going to be. And at the end, she had given us quite a bit of information and uh, and told us that she could feel through the energy field emanating through the back of a chair. It did not matter. Uh, if it was a 
cast or any other kind of material she was able to feel through it. So apparently wood, metal, really nothing made it, you know, put a dent in her ability to feel the energy field other than the fact that we couldn't, you know, we were still going by her say-so. So we had offered a test. And what we were going to do was we had a few people there. My father, who was a, who's a heart patient, was one of them. And then we had another uh, nurse there who had had breast cancer and uh, had surgery and extensive radiation and a few other people, and including my children who were probably about uh, 10 and uh, 7 at the time in those ages. So we had a varied grouping of people for to produce an energy field that she could be feel, find that were distinctive. And then we, what we were going to do was she could pick two people, or what we would do is she'd feel all six people, and then we take turns hiding one under the sheets where she wouldn't be able to see who was there and just feel the energy field of the person lying on the bed and just tell us which person was there. Well, she didn't want to do that. So we said, well, then we can do it uh, an adult or a child. And then she didn't want to do that. And then we said, well, it could be somebody or nobody because we even had a rig set up to be an empty bed. And she didn't want to do that either. So going from the psychic world, you know, into the nursing world, we, I use that same aura concept, you know, and it just identify the aura for us. And she wanted no parts of anything. So let's back up a little bit and talk about why you were even interested in getting to the point where you're working to test these people. How did you get involved in even knowing what therapeutic touch is and, and, and kind of choosing that as your area of interest? Uh, my first exposure to it was back at, I guess, about 1978 or so. And it was at the, when I was at, uh, at, in training at uh, Amington Memorial Hospital School of Nursing, uh, we went to their uh, a local visiting nurse association, uh, you know, just to like uh, get special training in like the visiting nurse aspect. We went to a few people's homes, and part of it was we were at their office, and they happened to have a guest lecturer in for anybody who was around that wanted to hear it. And her specialty was something called that she called therapeutic touch. But hers was a little bit different. She could wave her hand through your center meridian and then weaken you and then kind of like pulling down a zipper you know, on your jacket and then pulling it back up again and then your strength came back and she would extend your arm in front of you and then so prior to doing anything, she'd do the test and she'd push down on your arm and sure enough, your arm was strong and would stay up. Then she would go through your meridian and then all of a sudden your arm, when she pushed on it, went down and thought this was fascinating and and I bought into it but you know in retrospect it's not kind of obvious that she was just pushing harder you know after she had gone through the meridian and then and then when she uh, zipped you back up again you know all of a sudden your strength was back and I actually went to you know tried it on friends and we were doing it at a bar and I was I was pissing off bikers left and right with it but you know <laughs> these things happen when you're in your 20s and it looks like fun yeah well how common is that sort of thing in nursing I mean, it seems like uh, that if it was a really well-regulated uh, training methodology for nursing, that, that things like that wouldn't maybe slip through unless they were scientifically proven. Well, it was still early on back when this was like in the 70s when, when I encountered this. I guess it's like 78 or 79 at this point. And uh, then it was only during like uh, 
through the 80s and then in 90s when it was started to become popular, uh, even more popular. They were, they were still experimenting with it, and I really didn't hear much about it again until like the 90s. And then it was in the 90s that uh, uh, a, an operating room journal called Today's OR Nurse came out and said that we should be doing therapeutic touch in the operating room. And my point was, if we're going to stop what we're doing and start waving energy fields on somebody on an operating tube table, you know, you better have good data to back that up, you know, because that's a real distraction from what's going on in there. Although apparently for Dr. Oz, it's a, it's a wonderful thing because they actually time out and they'll have a therapeutic touch person or a Reiki person come in during his heart procedures and uh, it works for him somehow. So, but uh, so it, it, is, it was out there and that's how I first it came into my realm in, in an, as an operating room nurse that I should be doing this. And my biggest fear was, if I'm not doing it, who's to say down the road that I was negligent for not doing that? Sure. Yeah. And I want to get into the similarities between therapeutic touch and Reiki and, and other forms of alternative energy healing in a little bit. But tell me about that. Tell me about the point when you, you said that originally you bought into it a little bit. Um, and that's understandable. So when did you start to realize that maybe there's not much to this? Uh, well, the, the initial thing with the woman who was doing that ideomotor effect, uh, essentially, uh, was an interesting thing. And that only lasted a few months. And I basically forgot about it and didn't use it much again. And it was... an as going through life, I became more and more skeptical as I would like come across things and find out, you know, I've been wasting a lot of time on nonsense. Uh, Is this related to your personal life or to your career? That that, that would be my personal life. Hmm. (laughs) Unfortunately, uh, you know, you know, going, going through life, you know, you, uh, when I, when I was born, I was uh, raised in a Catholic family with who also had uh, we had psychics in our family. My grandmother was born with a veil over her face and did all kinds of spooky things that all occurred before I was even born. And she actually died before I was born. So all these stories were out there and were taken as gospel in our family. So I was born with magic, you know, the promise of magic in my life, and I always pursued it, only to come up with dead ends. But it mm. was a long trek to get through all of them, you know. So how did this relate to your career, though? I mean, is this the only type of alternative energy type thing that you came across? Yes. Well, like I said, that was in the nursing school, and it was like self-limiting. You know, once uh, I had seen that, I you know, and realized I realized basically on my own it was just me pushing down harder on people's arms, and it kind of dropped out of sight. Uh, but in the meantime, I you know, I was still interested in in psychics and other things because I you know. It, it it was fortunately it was uh, Randy being on the Johnny Carson show or uh, Yuri Geller being on Johnny Carson's show started it, and I started to like see oh there is a way to figure this out even though it was just Yuri Geller not just not feeling strong that night on the Johnny Carson show right yeah when Yuri Geller came on the Carson show and uh, was going to do a live demonstration of bending some spoons the kind of thing that he normally did uh, secretly for those who aren't aware of the story. Um, James Randi switched the uh, the props that Geller had brought with him with real silverware, and uh, apparently that was uh, that silverware was just a little too powerful for Geller to bend <laughs> on air. So he said that he just wasn't feeling it; he was a little too tired. 
that night to bend anything with his mind. Yeah, that's a shame when that happens, but... It's happened uh, to all of us. <laughs> Sometimes we're just so, not feeling it. Well, unfortunately, you know, I'm going back to the times there was no internet. Uh, there was, you know, not much skeptical works available for someone who, you know, on the fence or curious, you know, to hear, you know, two sides of a story. I'm used to getting two sides of a story, but back in those days, there was only usually one side of the story. And it was the one that was most popular and, would you know, and same as today with uh, some of these TV shows like on the Learning Channel and whatnot with the paranormal shows. It's it's good for business to not have negative stuff on there, you know, and then the, the show keeps on going. So, you know, there's no different between the two, you know, with Yuri Geller back then and, you know, and these paranormal shows today that, you know, the skeptical word rarely gets out there because it's not good for advertising or business. Mm. So you came to the conclusion that a therapeutic touch uh, is kind of maybe, for lack of a better term, bullshitty. And, uh, and you wouldn't feel bad if you didn't use that on one of your patients. So going through your career, though, did you see this being used on, on patients? How did you see this manifesting itself in the lives it of people? It was mostly... It's mostly being manifested in, in journals and nursing uh, uh, magazines and stuff like that. And do you know of any particular stories where people maybe got that sort of treatment and didn't get a treatment that could have been more beneficial to them? Well, the, the way that nurses had it arranged, it was always uh, an adjunct to. It was never in place of, you know, this may help you. And from that aspect, I'm sure it's a fine placebo. And but it's not like it's delaying care, or or taking you know we're, you can either have this pain pill or we can give you the therapeutic touch treatment. It was always you know something that was uh, an adjunct too. But in the operating room to stop what you're doing and take your eyes off the you know the 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 real game, which is the operation itself, to sweep people's energy fields, and that this is a good idea, you know. That was like to me stepping over the line because it's no longer you know an adjunct to you know you're now a, a distraction in the OR waving your hands and who knows what kind of dust particles you're going to be shooting all over the place and you know it it, it just didn't make for a, a good sterile environment and you know, and there's many things that can go on in an operating room and the last thing you need is you know that kind of a distraction. Yeah, there's an argument for people and there are many people who will accept alternative therapies that aren't scientifically proven to be anything uh, more effective than a placebo, like acupuncture and, uh, and sometimes chiropractic, things like that. I think a lot of these people would never, would never say that someone should get these therapies instead of getting something like oh, chemotherapy or taking a, a pharmaceutical drug or something like that. But they might say that sometimes doctors prescribe placebo like a sugar pill so what's the difference between that and an alternative therapy uh practitioner doing basically the same thing but telling you that what they're doing is having a real effect well actually it's considered unethical in the, in this day and age to give a placebo like the sugar pill now you can give somebody a motrin and they're going to get the effects of the Motrin plus any placebo effect that would come with the fact that they got the pill. So there's enough real treatments out there that if you need a placebo effect, you know, there's enough real treatments that will, 
you know, also join in. Because like, most of the time, you if you take a Motrin and you feel relief within the first 15 minutes, that's probably not the Motrin you took because it takes a good half hour to an hour for... Uh, you're, you know, there, for there to be enough of a blood level of Motrin to make a difference on your headache. So it's that anticipation of somebody, you know, doing something and trying to uh, relieve uh, that kind of a symptom that where the placebo effect actually kicks in. So the placebo effect is used all the time. It's when you're going to actually use that something that you know has no, you know, that is basically inert and with the intention of just triggering the placebo effect as a distraction. That's considered unethical because you're not being honest with the patient. What are the limits of the placebo effect? I mean, people often experience uh, lessening of pain um, when there's never, uh, there's not a physical cause for that. I mean, how far, how far do you think that goes? Well, they say like 30% of the people are going to have a placebo effect to, you know, to an inert uh, substance or, uh, or a procedure because they even have they've even done sham surgeries you know and have had placebo effects you know you know just to show how far it can go but usually it's it's symptom based it's not going to it usually doesn't alter the course of a major problem like cancer or something like that but if you're looking for like a short term fix you know th- that's where the placebo comes in but again there's enough real things that you can give somebody and then have the placebo effect be part of that that you know the that you really don't need to introduce fake things on top of it. Mm. Now, one of the ethical things with therapeutic touch is if it's indistinguishable from a placebo, then it is a placebo. So when people are giving therapeutic touch, they're, in my opinion, being unethical because the research and the data to support it is not there. You know, so you're essentially giving a placebo with a fancy name and, uh, and, and the theatrics to go with therapeutic touch. Well, you're in Pennsylvania, right? Yes. Uh, do, does the state in Pennsylvania license therapeutic touch practitioners? No, they do not. There's no licensing for it at all. It's like a kind of like a certification thing, or you just take somebody's course and uh, you can and you do it. So there's no certification for it. Hmm, okay. However, however, uh, the there is. Uh, all nurses need so many uh, continuing education units uh, in the course of uh, four years to keep their license current. And therapeutic touch courses would qualify under that because uh, with under the American Nurses Association, there's the uh, American Nurses Credentialing uh, Center or Council, I forget exactly what their name is, but they do their credentialing to say that this is a legitimate course and this would qualify towards licensure or if somebody has an advanced certification and also needs so many CEUs per year, they're the ones that are saying that therapeutic touch is okay and is legitimate for you know licensure and certification. So. Let's talk about some of the things that are similar to therapeutic touch. Like you mentioned Reiki. Uh, how would you describe Reiki to people? I think a lot of people have heard of it, but they don't necessarily know what it is. Again, it's it was apparently invented in the 1920s by uh, somebody in Japan. I don't have all my, you know, the whole story on that. But it's a very similar thing, and it's this whole energy uh, transference uh, with the... Uh, Chi. I don't know if they're chi or they're key. They could be both. Uh, it's hard to tell where one one stops and the other one begins. But uh, 
the, with the Reiki people, they tend to do a hands-on thing and do it like an energy transfer, and it makes it harder for us to test because they're not feeling an energy field the way the therapeutic touch nurses are. Uh, although some say they can. So, um, you know, the test would be open for anyone uh, who, who can do Reiki and feel an energy field without having to touch the person, you know, the subject itself. And I guess this is a good time to mention the therapeutic touch test that we have coming yeah, up. Yeah, well, let's, let's talk about, let's, let's back up a little bit and talk about how you got involved in organizing okay. with other people who are skeptical of these kind of practices. So uh, when did that happen and, and what organizations exist in your area to challenge this kind of stuff? Uh, well, the first one was informal. Uh, we, uh, it was some members of FACT who were interested and wanted to hear what the therapeutic touch practitioner had to say. And some of the people at the hospital I was working with at the time invited uh, this practitioner to come out. And she was the one that wanted no parts of any other kind of testing that, you know, that we were suggesting, even though if we really wanted to come out and, you know, spend $150 or I think it was $75 for her course, you know, we were more welcome and then she'll really teach it to you and then you'll know how to feel an energy field. But we basically wanted to see the demonstration that you could feel it first before we start throwing out cash like that. And once we had that one, that individual episode down and we're confident, you know, of what they were claiming they could do and what we could do. That's when we approached uh, James Randi back in 97, and we put together the therapeutic touch test for the first time. So that was uh, in 1997, and there was over 40,000 TTPs at that time, therapeutic touch practitioners, and Randi's price currently was yeah, $742,000. It was the pre-$1 million prize. And we actually had one person come out from California who was not a nurse, but did uh, say she had the ability to do therapeutic touch and feel energy fields. And she came out and she got, uh, after a open test of uh, 10, she was able to identify, there was, we had two subjects, um, a man and a woman. The woman had a problem with her wrist and elbow, and she kept it in a sling on a, on a normal basis and or uh, i'm sorry a splint and the therapeutic practitioner could feel that energy field and feel that disturbance so we've had her and then we had another gentleman with normal arms and that was our test it's going to be one or the other and in the open test she was able to identify the energy fields 10 out of 10 times and then when we closed a curtain for the for the for the prize money she got 11 out of 20 at that point which is basically chance hmm. That we did the uh, a second go around. This time we personally uh, sent a certified letter to Dor- uh, Dolores Krieger, the creator of Therapeutic Touch, to come out and for the million dollar prize, uh, we had another uh, big challenge and it drew absolutely no response. And it wasn't long after or around the same time that the Linda Rosa and Emily Rosa had put together their test in Colorado and made some major uh, headway with that where they had about 21 uh, or 22 therapeutic touch practitioners come out with a different style test. And 
they too were unable to pro- prove that they were able to feel an energy field. So we, we've pretty much like killed off the ability of people to come out and take the test. Mm. So, which is what we're running into right now. So we're trying to get together for uh, April of this month at the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia at two o'clock. We'll be staging another uh, energy or field detection test, and we would love to see some uh, per- some of the therapeutic touch uh, people come on out and see if they can do it. Yeah, I know uh, James Randi is going to be there, and the president of the James Randi Educational Foundation, DJ Grothy, is going to be there. And this this is all part of the Philadelphia Science Festival. And yeah, you mentioned FACT earlier. FACT is uh, an acronym, but let's talk about, tell us about FACT and, and what you guys do above and beyond a therapeutic touch testing. FACT is, stands for the Philadelphia Association for Critical Thinking. We've been together since 1994, and we've routinely hold lectures and uh, occasionally we will have uh, uh, go out to haunted areas and try and uh, you know find some evidence of anything supernatural going on or uh, we also have let's see we have lectures we have testing and we also have a newsletter that we put out uh, about 10 times a month or, I'm sorry, 10 times a year on a semi-month, somewhat like a monthly basis. Okay. So if people wanted more information about FACT, where would they go? They could go to phact.org, and that would be uh, our homepage. And you can also find us on Facebook, and we also have a meetup page for local people. Let's talk about, in your professional opinion, let's say somebody came to you and said, I have this problem. I have certain symptoms and you as a medical professional could recognize that um, this might be something serious. It might not be something serious. Don't know yet. And that person says, I'm thinking about going in and seeing a therapeutic touch practitioner for this. What would you, what would you say to that person? Well, actually I've come across similar things. I'll come into people who have already started seeing somebody who's doing uh, or using a process that isn't scientifically factual or have a lot of support for it. And I try to be supportive, and I don't try to talk them out of it. I feel, you know, if they if they are enthusiastic about it, you know, I'm, I will dampen any placebo effect they could get from it. Uh, and, it and it's kind of an ethical thing on my part. If they ask me my honest opinion, would you do this, I will give them my honest opinion at that point. But a lot of times they're basically trying to use you as a soundboard that I'm doing the right thing, right? You know, And it's hard to just come out and say you're doing the wrong thing unless that's exactly what they're asking. But a lot of times they're, they're asking you. They're not so much asking you so much as telling you and not asking you your real opinion. They just want to hear like some kind of support or, you know, so I try to be, well, that's interesting, and good luck with that. But if they want my honest opinion, you know, I will give them that. And how widespread is this, do you think? It's hard to tell because it's usually done on a one-to-one basis, and it would be up to the nurse who actually knows the process and then offer it to the patient you know, in a single-room setting kind of a thing. So it's it's underground they don't have to document it necessarily although there is the energy field disturbance nursing diagnosis they could 
write about it and say I felt a disturbance in their energy field and smoothed it out and performed therapeutic touch, which would be considered legitimate in, in nursing, hmm. believe it or not. So that could be in, on a patient's chart. But as far as like, I don't have access to patient's charts where I'd be able to screen to see, you know, who's doing it, who's, who's writing about it. Or I, I would assume most of it is kind of like underground. Because that was basically the effect of the uh, the the Roses test and the and the publication in in uh, the journal of the American Medical Association and the, the, our singular test that, that show, which was also written up in the Scientific Review of Alternative Medicine, which was that therapeutic touch didn't go away; it just kind of like went into hiding, but it it's. It's still there. It's the energy field disturbance is still in every nursing textbook or basic textbook that have nursing diagnoses and therapeutic touch is always recommended as the treatment of choice for the energy field disturbance. Yeah, that's I wanted to talk about that because I'm a little bit I'm a little bit confused as to what that means. I've heard before that uh that that can be listed as a diagnosis as an energy field disturbance, but I've heard uh, uh, nurses say that that those are just listings of things that patients report. That's not necessarily something that that any particular nurse or any particular nursing uh, organization promotes as a valid as a valid complaint, right? It, it's hard to say. You a person wouldn't know their energy field was disturbed unless you know a therapeutic touch practitioner you know, evaluated their field and told them about it. Mm. Uh, let's see. According to the North American Nursing Diagnosis Association, NANDA, now it's NANDA International. I think they dropped the whatever the, the lead-in words were, and now it's just NANDA I. In their guidelines under disturbed energy field, uh, the section definition shows that the diagnosis is totally dependent on therapeutic touch and that the claims that the therapeutic touch practitioner can feel an energy field. Uh, hopefully, I didn't screw that up. Okay. The defining characteristics, this is the part I was looking for, mentions that the perception of changes in the energy flow and the patterns, they use terms like warmth, coolness, spike, hole, bulge, tingling, flowing, and dense. Now, these are all terms to describe what they're feeling in the energy field. And whether they're good or bad, it's, 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 it's hard to say. But... I would just like to know that they can feel it at all before they go, th- you know, before we go through all these terms. <laughs> right. It's kind of amazing. It's like, a, like not only do we have light, we have an entire rainbow here of stuff here, you know. And it's like, great. Let's do just let's do the light part first. Prove you can see the light first, and then we'll worry about the rainbow aspect to it. But that's basically what they've set up for themselves. I see. So, do you think that there's any chance of? educating the nursing community about this kind of thing and and tamping down because do, do you think nurses are recommending therapeutic touch to people or i would say that the vast majority of nurses are not and are aren't even aware that this is still going on uh it was never a big thing in nursing but it was always like in the background and of course they have their own little cult following as you know as time has gone on and it's it's still out there, and nursing, like the American Nurses Association and NANDA, still support it by allowing you know the energy field disturbance to still be a nursing diagnosis, and that and by allowing therapeutic 
touch courses to be available for CEUs for certification and licensure. So it's it's still out there. I would say maybe less than 20% of nursing, you know, actually has anything to do with it or is even aware of it. But it it's still an aspect that's still out there. Well, Bob, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. That's all the time we have for Consequence. Special thanks to Bob Glickman. You can find out more about his group, the Philadelphia Association for Critical Thinking, at fact.org. That's P-H-A-C-T dot org. Consequence is a production of the James Randi Educational Foundation. To find out more about the JREF, just visit randy.org. Consequence is produced by me, Brian Thompson, and our music is by Planet Shifter. Thanks for listening.